0: the show the establishment warned you about. And welcome back to the Dr. Tommy Show. This is your friendly America's free market doctor, Dr. Tommy McElroy, here to entertain and enlighten you from the free state of Florida. And this is uh, toward the end of the week here in Florida. And it's it's a return to the warmth that is, we're accustomed to. And it is probably going to be the last gasp of winter although sometimes you're you're proven wrong in march there's there's times during march where you have um uh, uh cold snaps and then uh, suddenly spring break is a frigid event but otherwise things are going well here in the free state and uh, we're glad you're here to join us today if you're listening in the free state or not and uh got a few things to go over today uh many things are having to do no surprise with covid but not everything Uh, One thing I wanted to do share about uh, with you, first of all, is, um, you know, I'm a big fan of Governor DeSantis. I think that he's uh, I think he's really shown a lot of courage in standing up to the media in similar way to the way Donald Trump does, except uh, doing so with a little bit more tact. I guess you could say not being as confrontational, maybe a little bit safer for the suburban uh, women voters who uh, apparently have trouble voting for Donald Trump and maybe some of the suburban men, too. But either way, uh, you know, I don't know what to say though. There's this uh, there's this thing that happened at USF, which is our local university. I'm a graduate of USF, and I guess Governor DeSantis was there and he was uh, speaking to some uh, speaking to the media there, and he had some uh, high school students behind him. And uh, here, here's what he I just want to let you know what what he had to say here. Here it goes. And so he says... Um, All right, well, it's good to be at USF. Yeah, so here he is. Uh, he's, he's standing up there, and there's these kids behind him, and they're wearing these masks. And uh, DeSantis walks up, and he goes, you do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. Honestly, it's not going to do anything, and we've got to stop this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is ridiculous. So uh, that is... Uh, I'm I'm su- I'm surprised by that because that is... Uh, you know, as, as this headline says from Newsweek, Ron DeSantis attacked by parents after a video of him bullying students goes viral. And, uh, so Ron DeSantis is here telling these students, you don't have to wear this mask. And this is taken by many as seeing as, um, outright attack on these students and their rights to wear a mask. And one of the parents says, um, uh, his, his mother tells him to wear the mask. I tell him it's his choice. So he made that choice. And the governor has no right to tell no kid or no one that they can't or can't wear a mask. He doesn't have that right. Well, uh, I think that's exactly what he has been saying. He's, uh, he's been saying that as far as, uh, masking is concerned that you actually do have the right as a parent to, um, let your kid wear or not wear a mask. But here it is, uh, right here on, uh, Newsweek. Now, reporting that um, he says he was being accused of. This is an epidemiologist who tweeted, which is the modern equivalent of uh, writing a uh, masterpiece uh, novel. It says, epidemiologist Eric Fiegel Ding uh, tweeted, "Can't believe at Ron DeSantis governor would be little and bully student kids to take off their mask by calling them ridiculous." I don't think he called the mask ridiculous. I think he called the mask ridiculous, but he didn't call the uh, students ridiculous. I don't think he was meaning that directly at them, but I think what happened here is you have the situation probably, and I don't know this for sure, but where Ron DeSantis, uh, was, uh, going to do this event and they probably had like a, a walk walkthrough and, and they had the governor up there and they told the kids, okay, you're going to stand behind the governor. And, uh, then we're, you know, we're going to have a little, uh, press conference and then maybe they're going to ask you a question or something like that. And then that's going to be the end of it. And so they probably did a dry run of it. And then uh, when they went to do the real thing, uh, they these kids probably went up there and put the mask on. And that's probably what set the governor off, as you could hear, towards the end of his, um, his soundbite. Sound he was a little exasperated. I don't have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. Honestly, it's not doing anything. we got to stop with this focus theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is, this is ridiculous. All right, well, it's good to be at USF. Yeah, so here goes. he was—he was exasperated, as you could tell. But like I said, you know, surprising that the governor would attack these students like that, and a little bit of uh, taken aback by that. So, um, what else do we have here? Uh, this is some more stuff about the uh, surgeon uh, Florida politics here. This is a this is a thing from Fox News. So we had this uh, Surgeon General here, uh, Doctor. I might want to say his name wrong. His name is Doctor. Ladapo. Okay, so he's a Surgeon General now. And this is uh, the Florida State Senate confirmed Georgia, no, Georgia, Governor Ron DeSantis picked for Surgeon General Joseph A. Ladapo, who has vocally opposed mask mandates in schools, saying the data does not support such uh, restrictions. This guy has been dragged through the mud. And uh, it's interesting to note, uh, oh, what, uh, what I think is interesting to note is that uh, Dr. Ladapo, who happens to be black, does not receive any credit at all for what he actually says. And says uh, Ladapo, who DeSantis appointed in September after the former Surgeon General resigned, said that, quote, there's a substantial gap between the quality of data out there supporting masking kids, yielding any benefit for kids whatsoever. Factual. And we have and what we're hearing from some of our public health leadership in other states and nationally. Uh, So he's he's saying, look, there's no data, which is true. There's no good data out there that says that there's been any changes at all with masking. I think masking uh, has been proven to be completely uh, as a as a as a uh, as a policy, uh, completely uh, uh, having no impact at all. There is nowhere in the United States, nor is there anywhere in the world where you could point to a situation where there's been uh, masking rules, either uh, put in place or, or not put in place that made a difference in the number of COVID cases or the number of, uh, COVID deaths. And actually we had this situation here at our local school district where there was a COVID, um, COVID there was masking requirements. And then this is earlier on in the year in DeSantis, uh, fault this, but the local school districts, including Hillsborough County, which is a blue County, uh, were causing the children to have to wear masks, and they were mandating it, and you couldn't get out of it. There was no, no parents opt out or nothing. This is what set off the whole mask mandate uh, discussion. And uh, so anyway, uh, they had a, 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 what they call it, a dashboard that we could look up, and there showed the masks. Uh, when the mask went, when, actually, it just showed COVID cases. And then when they did the COVID cases, the COVID cases were rising, right? So then they implemented a mask mandate. And shockingly, in the next two weeks, the COVID cases dropped a little bit. But then they went back, and they went higher than they've ever been, and then maybe they went back a little bit. But in the end of it, the, the curve was uh, not significantly changed with or without masking. So we have uh, Dr. Lapato saying that putting a mask or something on your child's face, that's a parent's decision. It's not a school's decision. It's not a school board's decision. It's not a governor's decision. It's no one Else's decision except for the parent and the parents are being in placed in these um, are being placed in these impossible situations. So here we are. Uh, Black surgeon general being criticized very heavily in the news for saying what is probably uh, uh, pretty much a, a generally understood thing. Now that masks do not change things. And then what, what does Charlie Crist weigh in? Uh, it says representative Charlie Crist, a former governor and current candidate for 2022 gubernatorial race against DeSantis attacked Ladapo L- L- after the confirmation. This is from a tweet. Like I said, uh, I think this is a tweet. Breaking. DeSantis anti-vax surgeon general nominee, nominee Dr. Joseph Ladapo was just confirmed by uh, confirmed as the uh, confirmed as by the Florida Senate. I don't know what he was writing there. Floridians deserve our top doc to be a real medical professional dedicated to protect and serve our citizens. And that's not Dr. Ladapo. And I think that's to me, very disrespectful to say that, uh, that because of this policy decision that, uh, is not shared by, uh, Charlie Crist, who is not a physician that Dr. Ladapo is, as he's not a top doc. He's not a real medical professional and he's not dedicated to serving and protecting our citizens. And actually if the, if the, if the tables were turned and, uh, Dr. Ladapo was serving in a Democrat uh, administration and it was a former governor, Democrat, now turned Republican representative who was criticizing that uh, person without any real basis for it besides his opinion and calling him not a medical professional. I, I venture to say that might be called racism, but because it's coming from uh, Charlie Crist, former Republican, former governor, now Democrat, now representative, and it's a uh, Republican uh, uh, black um, Dr. L- Lodapo, then everything's cool. So don't worry about that. Everything's fine. So that was uh, February 24. Okay. Well, interesting. So J- Charlie Crist is not on board with Dr. Lodapo. But here we go. February 28th. Democrat Charlie Chris suddenly decides it's time to, quote, move past the coronavirus. Representative Charlie Chris, Democrat Florida, who's vying to challenge Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in this year's gubernatorial race in the Sunshine State, has suddenly decided it's time to move past the China virus, China coronavirus, after one year, over one year after DeSantis has already done so. This is from Breitbart. That's why they call it the Chinese coronavirus. And you know how that, you know how that goes. Anyway, it says uh, it's time to responsibly move past COVID, the Democrat and former Florida governor said, noting that Omicron is, quote, fading and vaccines are plentiful. With that, Chris said, we should be able to turn the page on this crisis for good. We may never eliminate COVID, but like flu, we can live with it without major disruption to our lives. Well, guess who the hell was saying that? Uh, Well, this time two years ago, I was not saying that, but... Shortly thereafter, myself and many people were saying that because it became very clearly evident that this was like gonna be like the flu. After the, uh, the doomsday predictions by uh, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks and all the others failed to uh, come to fruition uh, about uh, massive amounts of um, uh, widespread death amongst everyone from uh, you know, the youngest ages to the oldest ages, after it became clear that this was a, a disease that was very aggressive in some patients and, and, and not very aggressive in others. And after it became clear that despite taking uh, vaccines and despite taking measures such as social distancing and despite doing uh, things like uh, uh, wearing masks and, and mandating mask and locking down students and everything else, despite all of that, the coronavirus numbers did not change. And it became obvious to some of us that this was going to be endemic. This was going to be like the flu. And hopefully it would be eventually like the flu in terms of mortality, meaning that the uh, percent chance of you dying from the, the COVID virus would be similar to the flu or, or greater. Better even yet would be none at all. No COVID. But thanks to uh, our friendly friends over in uh, the CCP, in their wuhan lab uh or or thanks to some uh, person who was uh, indulging in uh, uh the bat uh delicacy that they have in the wet markets there for probably two thousand three thousand years they've been doing uh what coronavirus may have come from that bat too although we haven't found that bat yet or any of those bats actually you have that coronavirus but either way whether it came from a lab accidentally most likely, or if it came from someone uh, just chowing down on bats in the wet market, uh, we have the coronavirus, and it would be nice if it go away. But this this destruction that's taken place over the last two years um, amongst people is just unforgivable. And when you have a guy like Charlie Crist who says, we may never eliminate COVID, but like the flu, we can live with it without a major disruption to our lives. So for him to come out here and say this after two years and then, And after four days of just saying that uh, this uh, surgeon general, Dr. Ladapo, was all wet and trying to say basically the same thing, like we have to, uh, you know, use common sense, uh, wearing masks. It's really uh, it's kind of insulting to the intelligence if you're uh, if you're in that uh, in that game of listening to politicians. And then Charlie, Chris continues. I'm running, so you'll be in charge again. You will have a governor who will work for the people to rebuild this economy, to rebuild our schools, and to unite us again. It's time to put political division behind us and to unite our state around our shared values. yeah you know, that's always the same boilerplate crap that they do. Whenever they do these addresses, they get they spend the first part of their speech tearing everybody apart on the other side, telling them, telling everybody how these people are animals. They're they're terrible people. Uh, not a real professional doesn't care about uh people and then in the next sentence he's like oh we're going to we're going to run to unite everybody and we're going to we're going to be the ones to uh put everybody uh on the same page and move forward together holding hands singing kumbaya i remember uh charlie christ uh when i was a medical student actually just starting uh, medical school this is nearly 20 years ago now charlie christ was running for uh I believe it was a uh, uh, education commissioner or dog catcher or something. And he was there uh, in Tampa with then governor George W. Bush at a campaign event. And um, governor Bush said, um, uh, I want to introduce here a chalkboard Charlie, or I'm sorry, chain gang Charlie. Cause he was the attorney general before that. And they call it, so his nickname was chain gang Charlie. Cause I, I think he may have brought chain gangs back for a period of time. I can't remember. But either way, Chain Gang Charlie, but now he's going to be called Chalkboard Charlie because he was running for education commissioner anyway. So he runs for that, and then he becomes governor. And then something funny happened. He got ambitious. He says, you know what? I'm governor. Now I'm going to be senator, and I'm going to step away from the governor's uh, mansion four years into this, and I'm going to go to be the senator. And it was expected that he would win. And he was the darling of the establishment, much the same way that any establishment— politician is the darling they just think he is they thought he was the he was the guy he was going to be the one to uh, go be in washington and, and and fill the coffers of all the chamber of commerce uh, don, donators and uh all of the uh corporatists and everything he was the guy well and then and what happened was a tea party happened and then marco rubio happened and marco rubio who became um, a star essentially during that race after he trounced uh, Charlie Crist, on, on the mantle of the Tea Party, uh, put Charlie Crist into a funk in which he has never recovered. And now it was so bad that during that primary, Charlie Crist uh, not only stopped being a Republican and became an independent, eventually, eventually it was so bad that he was switched over to Democrats. So the trouncing that he took from uh, uh, Rick Scott Later, And then Marco Rubio in the first time is just just was too much. And now uh, Charlie Crist is Democrat representative down here in the uh, great state of Florida. Uh, what's up? So back to COVID news. This is from the WHO. Two years ago, the WHO claimed COVID mortality was expected to be 3.4%. We called BS today. The Gateway Pundit was proven right again. This is from the Gateway Pundit. It says that the uh, uh, based on recent data from the CDC, the U.S. is estimated to have around 140 million people who have contracted the China coronavirus. This is almost half the U.S. population. The true number of COVID infections in the United States may be double official figures, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports. The agency estimates there have been 140 million COVID-19 cases in the U.S. from the virus's arrival in America in early 2020 until now. This is another thing that bothers me, bothered me and bothers me. The whole time during this whole COVID situation, which um, was concentrating mostly on regulations, mandates, top-down government enforcement of policies that were going to make your life better, uh, no time during this, uh, this pandemic, was there any real discussion about what is the things that we need to do to treat COVID? What are some of the risk factors besides not wearing a mask that make you, um, susceptible? You know, we never heard anything about vitamin D, which we talked about earlier in another podcast about how it's helpful potentially in helping with COVID. We never heard any of that stuff, but all we did hear about was, The cases, the cases, the cases, and the death, the death, the death. So it's easy to, for, if you look at things and someone dies from COVID or with COVID and you count that person, some poor soul dies from COVID and you count that person. And then you say, well, we need to find out how many people have died from COVID. The way that they were doing it with coronavirus was to say, all right, so this person died from coronavirus. Um. Or died with coronavirus they are they count we need to find out what is the denominator for this number we have this number of people who have passed away now we need to find out what is the denominator for that number and what do they do they say well how many cases are there and then how do they find the cases they say well how many people have tested positive for this disease now you and I both know that that is not going to capture everyone And I believe that the CDC's number, not because I'm smarter than the CDC, but because I have common sense, that they estimate 140 million cases, uh, approximately double official figures. I think that's a huge underestimation. Why do I say that? Well, early, 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 early on in this COVID thing, there were studies coming out that showed in small counties and things of this nature and doing studies with uh, um, antibodies, which is another thing we never hear about antibodies. I'll get back to that, but anyway, they they did these studies and they looked at antibodies. I think in one place they tested the uh, the sewage, and, and they were det- able to determine that a huge proportion of people in those communities had contracted COVID. And uh, some of uh, some, I saw some estimates. They said up to forty times what was reported. Why do I go back to that? Well, when you hear a death rate, you're know, the numerator of the denominator. If the denominator is very small and the numerator is you know is whatever it is but the denominator is small you're going to have a huge percentage potentially uh but if you're not counting everybody and that denominator is artificially small as happened is what happened then you can drive fear you can tell people that the mortality is 3.4 percent mortality may be higher you know you're going to die wear a mask Uh, stay home from your job quit your job uh, lock down your kids. Lock, lock down your family member. Uh, wave at grandma and grandpa through the glass window. This is going to help us. Uh, listen to Dr. Fauci. Don't listen to Dr. Burks because uh, uh, when she goes out with her family cavorting, she doesn't wear a mask. And then she told us to wear a mask. So it's all this is a, this gets back to this. Just I, I don't know if it's hubris or whatever the case is on this on the on the part of government to just be complete, not completely truthful with the American people. And it's funny, it brings to mind one thing that they said recently. They were talking about, and I don't have this paper in front of me, but uh, another headline recently was about how COVID cases, um, there were, what was the, oh, the the, death, uh, the amount of people who died in the hospitals from COVID, they had these numbers. And the amount of people who died who were vaccinated they didn't release all the numbers. They released the numbers for people who weren't vaccinated in some, or who were vaccinated in certain groups, but certain groups they didn't. And the reason they didn't is because they said they didn't want those numbers to be misinterpreted. Uh, and so basically it wasn't safe for, for public consumption. It hadn't been run through the, um, uh, the memory hole machine yet. And it, it was it apparently contained information that made it look like, well, maybe the vaccines aren't as um, useful as we say they are. Um, but it just really uh, eye-opening about how how you cannot uh, trust what you hear without verifying it yourself, and and hopefully someone else is working on uh, a way to verify things that are are told to us by people like the CDC and Doctor Doctor Fauci and the WHO. You know, I think in this this time of the this time and what we're living now. I don't think we've ever seen as much erosion of the trust of uh, Americans toward the institutions of, of what we would usually consider uh, very aus- astute. Um, so, for instance, the CDC, the FBI, uh, the CIA, all of those are institutions, the, the Justice Department in general, that were thought to be beyond reproach. They are there to do their job. They're the professionals. And certainly there are very many good professionals amongst that. But the agency, the the mission of the agency has changed. And the mission of the agency of the CDC uh, for this past year has been uh, different than uh, it would have been for, let's say, polio. There was a political motivation to coronavirus that has not been seen previously, at least by myself. And the same goes for the FBI and and the CIA and all these groups. Is a, if you look at it, the things that have been done, for instance, the January 6th uh, rioters treated completely different than the rioters in Oregon or the rioters in Minnesota. They are treated uh, completely different, and it's, it's by the Justice Department. Uh, back to uh, immunizations. Oh, yes. So one thing that bothers me about this uh, COVID is that we never talk about immunizations. Or, I'm sorry. We never talk about antibodies after immunization. Uh, what is the import of getting a vaccine if you already have sufficient antibodies produced by your body to fight off a uh, potential uh, antigen or offensive agent, So, uh, such as a virus? So we are told that we have to do uh, repeated boosters. So you don't have to get tested. You just get the booster when it's your turn. When they tell you your turn, if it's your third booster, you get your third booster. If it's your fourth booster, you get your fourth booster and we never talk about what are the antibodies which is a very simple test very simple test to do antibody testing you can get uh done and within 2 days you have the results so it's not like it's something where you have to send it away and wait six weeks. And in the meantime, you're at home worrying, wearing a mask, hunkered down because you don't know if you have enough antibodies or not. And you want to go to that concert. You can get this done. and But we never talk about that. Dr. Fauci, is, at least if I, a million times he's been on TV, I've never heard him talk about it, although I don't watch him. Um, just something else. What else is going on? You know, this Ukraine business, uh, Russia invading Ukraine is a very bizarre thing to me. I grew up, when I was a kid, Iraq uh, War started, the first war, the Persian Gulf War, when uh, Iran, sorry, Iraq went into Kuwait, much the same way that Russia has gone into Ukraine to take their stuff, to take them over, to absorb them, to make them the long-lost child that has now been uh, reacquainted with its parents. So Russia taking over Ukraine when I was a kid. Uh, Iraq took over Kuwait and what happened then well we went to war we went to war and we kicked Saddam Hussein's ass out of Kuwait and we kicked his ass all the way up to Baghdad and then we just stopped and then for many years probably a decade we did no fly zones we did all these things we had inspectors we had UN people in there with their with their helmets going in there and and checking for uh, WMD and all these other things and then then you all know what happened again. And then, you know, the CIA, again, back to the CIA, said, uh, you know, they, they have they have WMD. Let's go into Iraq. And so we did. Anyway, so but now if you look at the news coverage now, we have Russia rolling into Ukraine. And this whole thing is just odd, It is really strange. The lack of shock, I guess, is the biggest thing. The lack of I've never seen a war Predicted so easily and choreographed almost it seems. So we have, you know, the president of the United States telling us for weeks before that uh, Russia is going to invade. Russia is going to invade uh, Ukraine. Russia is going to invade Ukraine. And then Russia was saying we're not going to invade Ukraine. And then next thing you know, Russia has invaded Ukraine. And uh, here we are. It, they're still going, and Ukraine is still standing. Knowing that if Russia wanted to, they could take Ukraine over in one day. So what is the deal with Ukraine? Why is what what is going on? Is Russia's goal to take over Ukraine? And if so, why didn't they do it the same way that we took over Iraq, which would be probably just as easy for the Russians to do, if not easier, because they actually live next door. Be like us trying to take over Mexico. I think we could do it pretty quickly. Not that we would ever do that, but I'm just saying. Uh, We took over, we beat Iraq back in a matter of time with shock and awe. And Russia could do the exact same thing if they wanted to. And I'm glad they haven't because that would be awful. I feel so, when I see this thing on, on TV, I just think of those children. And I think of my own child children and think about how frightening it would be if you were being invaded, attacked, and you did nothing. And here you are being bombed. So I don't know what this Ukraine situation is and what the Russia situation. I just, I'm little, I'm very cynical about what is the end game. Who is benefiting is the big thing. Who is making money off this? And I know one thing's for sure is, and many people have said this, is Putin would not have done this if Donald Trump was in office. And why do I say that? It's just because Donald Trump has that factor of you just don't know whether or not how he's going to react. You know how Joe Biden's going to react. You know what a, a limp-wristed response you're going to get from Joe Biden. But Donald Trump, you don't know how he's going to react. And it was, I read an article, and this is, you know, this doesn't have a recording or anything, but there was an article that said that Putin actually met with Trump and was talking to Trump and said, uh, you know, uh, you can't take Ukraine. I know you want it, but you can't have it. And if you do take Ukraine, I'm going to hit Moscow and uh Putin was there and he kind of <laughs> laughed and said no way. And then Trump said uh, all those beautiful turrets blown to pieces or something to that effect talking about the turrets in Moscow. Uh, from the uh that was designed by an architect who was subsequently blinded. <laughs> Back in the days of the Tsars. But either way, yeah, so you don't know if this guy's for real. And um there was a time when um Trump was having dinner or dessert with G down in Mar-a-Lago, and they were having dessert. And in the middle of dessert, Trump took off time to go announce that he had just bombed Syria. And then he came back and finished his dessert. And it's kind of just, you just don't know with that guy. But with Biden, you know what's going to go on. And how do you know what's going to go on? Because they're fundamentally unserious. Um, this is something, this is Pete Buttigieg. Uh, on Keystone Pipeline, listen from Breitbart. Pete Buttigieg on Keystone Pipeline amid Ukraine invasion quote or not quote. We don't want quote permanent solutions to short term problems. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg said Wednesday on MSNBC's The Eleventh Hour uh, probably gets as many views as I get. That, this is, that to combat oil prices skyrocketing amid the Russian invasion of Ukraine, President Joe Biden did not want to authorize the Keystone Pipeline. So they're saying, you know, Russia's invaded you Ukraine. You're telling us it's going to hurt. You, you warned us, and you, you feel our pain, and yet you're still not going to authorize the Keystone Pipeline, which would give us, once again, on the road to energy independence like we had before. And uh, so this shows you how fundamentally unserious not only is Pete Buttigieg and Joe Biden, but just in general, how unserious the federal government is and how incapable the federal government is to solving problems that really matter. Uh, He added, Buttigieg said, look, the president has said all the options are on the table, but we need to make sure that they're not galloping after permanent solutions to an immediate short term problem where more strategic and strategic and tactical actions in the short term can make a difference. Um, so, so he's, and he says, like you have with a strategic reserve, which exists partly in order to respond to situations like this. So in Pete's mind, you know, we don't need to be galloping to solutions because this is only going to be a short term problem. Acting as if though the reason gas is high is because Russia invaded Ukraine. This is another myth that the media has been trying to push, which is BS. And then he adds, this is the stupidest part. He added, the president has laid policies that are going to help cushion the impacts of any volatility in energy markets in the future by building up much more of a diversified and homegrown energy base for this country. He means solar power. He means windmills. Now, you tell me how in the hell a windmill or solar power is going to help me in the short term. And he's talking about not galloping towards permanent solutions for short-term problems. Well, this is not a short-term solution that he's talking about. And it's going to, in my mind, never be a solution. I was just... I was, uh, trying to blow leaves off the other day and I have a lithium ion battery leaf blower and it works very well. Actually, I love it. It works better than the gasoline leaf blower I used to have. And I went to go blow the leaves off and, uh, sure enough, uh, the battery was dead. So I was "Ah, that sucks. So then I went and put the battery on and we had to go somewhere. So I didn't even bother. I didn't that whole day. The leaves just sat on the patio. I didn't even get to do it. Next day, battery was fully charged. Went out and hooked it up to the leaf blower and then way went the leaves, bloom, gone, just like that. And I was thinking, well, this is uh, this is all right, because you know what? The battery got charged, I blew off the leaves. Now, picture yourself traveling cross-country, screaming kids. You want to get to New York in time for uh, some important event. Now you have to park your car, and you have to charge it. And if you have some type of special supercharger, it can do it in 45 minutes. Otherwise, you're looking at several hours. Who the hell wants to do that instead of just stopping at the gas station, putting gas into your car and then leaving in 5 minutes. And they'll say, "Well, it's to help the earth." Okay, so you're telling me that the energy you put into your car from the gas pump, I'm sorry, from the electrical pump, that that energy came from solar power and wind. It did not. It came from fossil fuels. It came from natural gas most likely or coal and it and some and some percentage came from renewable energy, but just back to this Pete Buttigieg, he goes, we we don't want to gallop after permanent solutions to short term problems. It's completely illustrative of how they just don't get it. A few more things here. Oh, this is, I you know, I'm as uh, what's the word for it, cynical about uh, uh, social media as anybody, you know. Uh, But here it is. This has really destroyed. I wanted to believe, but this has really destroyed my belief in social media as a a good for society. This is from WFLA, our local news, um, local uh, 970 WFLA AM station. A TikTok star busted after shoes he wore in videos were linked to robberies. A Detroit TikTok star accused of committing a string of armed robberies was nabbed thanks to an eagle eyed fan of his videos. The FBI received an anonymous tip pointing them to the TikTok page of 22-year-old Chosen Terrell Hannah. His page has nearly 150,000 followers, and his videos have amassed 1.6 million views. Um, After viewing another video recorded on September 24-21, they had enough evidence to secure a warrant. So they looked at this video, and they saw this guy, and it looked like like the guy they were looking for. And it says the video features Terrell Hannah dancing shirtless but the FBI agents focused on his white Nike and sneakers. They noticed that they looked similar to the sneakers, to the shoes worn by the suspect and had distinct red accents on the heel. Officials say that Terrell Hanna robbed the same seven 11 twice a gas station in a smoke shop between October 21 and January 22. So this, this man, this poor guy had all of these followers on, on social media and TikTok, And, uh, here he is nabbed because of his sneakers, another reason not to buy Nike this is uh eh, this is surprising to me. This is from Breitbart. This is Google drops employee vaccine mandate, so the vaccine mandate's back to this thing that we 've been saying where i 've been saying about what is the the wrong response that we 've had to covid and one of the wrong responses we've had to Covid is to say the vaccine is so important that everyone should get it and if you don't get it you're gonna lose your job and your family can't eat and you're gonna you're gonna uh get kicked out of your house or just bend the knee and do it and so this is this has been you know throughout all kinds of all, all companies across the board And as we know you know joe biden tried to do this with osha and it got it got shut down by the uh the Supreme Court, notwithstanding the uh medical opinions of uh Justice Breyer and Kagan and um sotomayor uh, but anyway, so we get back to this vaccine mandate, which was just the key to getting us out of this this Joe Biden told us well at first, he told us if we wore a mask for all we did have to do was wear a mask and COVID would be over in a hundred days and uh, I guess we didn't do that good enough so then he said uh You know, if everybody just got vaccinated, then it'd be over. And then a lot, a big, huge percentage of people got vaccinated and COVID numbers went through the roof and it was just just looking more and more bleak. And then suddenly, so you have Google, which if you were to have a a corporation that is the most uh, obedient to whatever the current agenda is of the establishment, that's Google. Uh, Tech giant Google is reportedly dropping many of its coronavirus restrictions including its vaccine mandate for U.S. employees. Uh, CNBC reports that Google is removing many of the coronavirus restrictions, including testing requirements, social distancing, masks, and mandatory vaccines for all U.S. employees. However, get to the end. However, notes from Ratcliffe stated, the unvaccinated employees who are approved to enter offices will still need to follow additional protocols like testing and wearing a mask. So they, they don't want to let go of it. They don't want to let go of it. I can tell you from experience that the chances of you getting coronavirus, if you have a mask, I'm sorry, if you're vaccinated, is uh, not all too, all too different from getting coronavirus if you're unvaccinated. And I can tell you that from experience. This is the last thing I wanted to talk about. This is kind of cool. This is from uh, yahoo.com, and it says this is from February 15th, so a couple of weeks ago. But anyway, I don't know if you guys heard, but there was a, a, a pig heart that was transplanted into someone recently, and the man's name was David Bennett, and the pig heart was made from this special gene editing uh, technique where they were able to uh, take away genes from the pig heart that would make it uh, be attacked by a human host. So here we are. It says... A marvel of modern science, David Bennett continues to defy odds, surviving more than a month after his pig heart transplant. On Sunday, Bennett sat up in bed and meekly sang America the Beautiful uh, as someone, somebody belted out their rendition prior to Super Bowl, to the Super Bowl, uh, which I didn't see. Bennett, who received a genetically modified pig heart during a transplant on January 7th, continues his slow recovery at the University of Maryland Medical Center. And this is from uh, the surgeon. The heart is doing great. We have several cardiologists trying to find any fault in it, but they have not been able to, said the lead surgeon, Dr. Mohammed M. Muhadin, I think. A professor of surgery and director of cardiac xenotransplantation program at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. The heart is contracting vigorously as it should. It has shown no signs of rejection. Isn't that amazing? It's really cool. Um, so many people in this country need hearts need anything, livers, hearts. Uh, and this is really great that they're able to do this. This is, you know, some of the things that make me still happy about, uh, being in medicine is seeing things like this, you know, so this, when you have things like COVID and see the the stupid ways at which we respond to COVID and the people in charge, the stupid things they do. And then you, you kind of get yeah. And then you, if you're in the, if you're in the business of insurance and you're dealing with insurance and you're getting beat down by them and bureaucrats, and if you're in some, um, big, uh, big box corporate environment, you're getting beat down by, uh, you know, people with masters of communications and, uh, um, you know, uh, health, uh, masters of healthcare telling you how to practice medicine. So all that stuff can bring you down, but then it's stuff like this that makes you, uh, makes you feel good. Um, Decline, and it says uh, Bennett had terminal heart disease, and several medical centers had determined he was ineligible for a human transplant. Doctors said his new transplant is a breakthrough because the donor pig has undergone gene editing to remove a specific type of sugar from its cells, thought to be responsible f- for previous organ rejections. Pig organs are considered suitable for transplant in humans because they are about the same size and shape, and I think that they can do this with kidneys, or they're working on doing this with kidneys and uh you know maybe a pancreas too that'd be great for diabetics when i was in residency there were some children pediatrics who were getting uh, pancreas transplants cuz they were born you know with brittle diabetes and it's very sad that these uh poor children had to suffer from the very beginning and it'd be great to see if there was a way to uh alleviate a lot of the suffering in this world uh albeit at the expense of a pig which won't uh make very many if you animal lovers out there happy, but that being said, uh, thank you for joining us this week. If you want to hear more, Dr. Tommy, doc, uh, Dr. Tommy show, go to drtommy.com slash podcast. There are some things there, uh, hidden things, not hidden on the sidebar, little special things for you to save money. And one of them is a use pure talk because it will save you money. We save greater than $50 a month on uh at greater than 50%, which is equivalent to $50 on our cell phone bills for the business here. And we did that simply by switching to pure talk. You can uh, go on to a dr. com slash podcast. And then if you go into the sidebar there, there's some links. And if you click on a pure talk link, you'll, you'll be taken away to a special deal. Also there's athletic greens, uh, which is something I, uh, am, am glad to be taking now for was going on two weeks. No, sorry. Going on two months, two months. Uh, and, um, This first month, we're into the second month. Anyway, it's a uh, supplement that you can take. It's green. It doesn't taste like a chocolate uh, shake, but it is palatable uh, after a while. And uh, it's one of those things that I was willing to try to see if it would help with energy. And I think it has. And uh, I I think it's really helped uh, with some uh, leg, leg pain I was having too. Why? I don't know. Just maybe it's a coincidence. And then lastly, there's Atlas MD for all of you physicians out there listening who are in the business of not taking insurance, who are direct primary care, concierge medicine doctors. If you want to switch to Atlas MD, you can do so risk-free by getting a free trial until you start up. And if you click on the link there, it will give you not only the one month free, it will give you an additional month free. So you can get uh, uh, a couple... Uh, several hundred dollars worth of uh, free membership uh, fees through Atlas MD, which is atlas.md. And just go to drtommy.com slash podcast. And they're there on the sidebar. And well, uh, until next time, we look forward to uh, seeing you again. And if you want to tune into something that's going to be great for you to watch with your family, although it's a very difficult to watch. it It's very uh, heart wrenching. Watch 1883, highly recommended, 1883 on Paramount+. And you won't regret it. So thank you for joining us, and until next time, bye-bye.